Section 4 of New Lamps by Robert Moore Williams. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Paul Harvey. Ronson felt rebellion come up in him. Then he remembered that on Mars, the only law protecting humans was what they could make and enforce for themselves. Rumors have reached us on Earth of Les Rowe's great accomplishments. It is our hope that we can share our knowledge, pool our discoveries. It is our belief that great advances can come from this sharing for both humans and Martians. Ronson spoke quietly. Only the tone of his voice expressed the very deep and very real feeling he was putting into words. Yet in the quietly spoken words his dream was expressed, and the dream of every real scientist in the history of Earth, a progress, a forward motion, of leaving behind them a world a little better than the one they had known. Once this dream had been only for humans, now it included Martians too, and every other race within the solar system. The messenger smiled at the words, but under the smile was concern. Do you mean that you humans still face problems that you cannot solve, but you have made tremendous scientific advances, much greater than we of Mars have made? Spaceflight is only one illustration. Unfortunately, many of our scientific advances have brought more problems than they have solved. Grimness crept into Ronson's voice. Before atomic energy was released, it was prophesied that the release of this energy would solve all the problems of our planet. This was over 200 years ago. We are still striving to regain the loss suffered in the First and Second Atomic Wars. Wars? The face of the Martian showed amazement. You humans are fools. We are trying to stop being fools, or some of us are. But something seems to defeat our efforts. Yes, keen interest showed on the face of the Martian. Do you have this problem too? I wonder if it's the same something. We live in the same universe. Can you state the problem more exactly? I can give you an illustration of it. At the same time, I will give you my reason for being here. Ronson took a deep breath considered the words he was going to use. I'm a biophysicist. This means that my specialty is the living cell and the changes that can and do take place in it. We have a name for one of the changes that may take place there. Cancer. A disease. Yes, and a very serious one, often tied up with radioactivity. It is a change that takes place in the interior of a living cell. I know. No less than eight times in the past hundred years, human doctors have found a cure for this mutation within the cell. Each cure worked perfectly for a time. And then? Then this something defeated their efforts. A change took place. A new form of cancer appeared which did not yield to the treatment that had been effective previously. Ronson found his breathing was becoming heavier. The messenger moved up and down the cell, pacing, his right hand rubbing his chin. 
Yes, it is the same something. Les Rowe has talked of it often. It has defeated even him. He calls it change. There seems to be a law in this universe against anything remaining the same. But why did you come here? Do you seek a new way to cure this disease called cancer? Yes, a permanent way, a way that goes behind the law of change. Do you think you can find such a thing here? Yes, and here I have proof. Detailed reports from human physicians at Marsport. In three instances, Martian patients admitted to the human hospital there were found to be suffering from inoperable cancer. Each was discharged as incurable. Within the following two years, each patient returned to the hospital there, one to have a knife wound treated, a second to have a broken bone set, a third because of injuries suffered in an accident. As soon as they were admitted, the records were checked, and the previous diagnosis of cancer was found. Each case of cancer had been cured. Each Martian told the same story, that he had been here and that Les Rowe had cured the disease. And you came here seeking the ninth solution from Les Rowe for your people? Yes, and for one other reason. Eh? The cancer I am trying hardest to cure is here. Very gently, Jim Ronson rubbed his chest. At the action and at his thought, his heart picked up an anxious beat. For an instant, the face of the Martian showed blank astonishment. Compassion followed the astonishment, a flood of it. My son! The voice had pity and understanding and sympathy in it. Lesro will see you. Good! Relief surged up inside Jim Ronson. He had traveled many a weary mile for this moment. He had faced frustration and despair. The best doctors on earth had told him they could do nothing for him. Now, here, in the heart of a mountain near the south pole of Mars, follow me, the messenger said. The wall swirled in front of him. He stepped into the misty opaqueness, and Ronson followed him. Inside the light, the human felt the millions of microscopic hands take hold of him. Their touch was gentle and caressing, softly tender. Suddenly their touch was firm and strong. He felt them seize his clothing and rip it from his body. Their gentle, caressing touch was gone. In its place was an almost manic fury, a scream ripped involuntarily from his throat. The scream was flung into complete silence. No echo of it came back to his ears. Blackness beat at him, flowed in over him, flowed through him. The blackness ransacked every nook and corner of his body. It probed to the bottom of his soul. It swallowed him whole. It dissected his consciousness, tore it to shreds, then yanked away even the shreds. He seemed to be falling into a black hole that had no end. Ronson did not know how long the blackness lasted. The first sense to come back was hearing. Somewhere near him, he heard a grunt. Then the sense of feeling came back, and he realized he was lying naked on sand. 
He didn't much want to open his eyes. Finally, he forced them open. His vision was blurred and vague. When it cleared, he saw the source of the grunt. The sound had come from Tal Bach, squatting on the sand near him. Tal Bach was also naked. Unlike Ronson, the millions of microscopic hands in the darkness had not left even a wristwatch on the Martian. Happy, uh, wind time, Ronson said. Talbot grunted, but did not answer. Where are we? Hell, Talbot said. He got up and walked into the shrubbery behind him. Ronson rose. He was shaky. His legs seemed too long to reach the sand. A subjective impression that almost amused him, but didn't quite. To the left, another Martian was squatting, cross-legged on the sand. Ronson looked, then looked again. He moved toward the Martian to make certain. It was the leper who had been on the street outside the dive. Without the rags, the Martian was hardly recognizable. The sores provided a certain means of identification. There was no mistaking them. How did you get here? Ronson asked. The leper made a weak gesture with his hands, which said, Go away. His attitude was resigned, but about his manner there was an air of expectancy. Ronson discovered that the place in which he had found himself was a cavern, about half a mile in diameter. It was adequately lighted, though the light sprang from no source that he could detect. The place was pleasant enough. There was water here. It flowed in little rills set in stonework. Grass and desert shrubs grew here. The air was moist, with a fragrant sweetness somewhere about it. Something was in the air besides the moisture and the fragrant sweetness. It was intangible, almost imperceptible. Ronson cocked his head, trying to catch this something. It was almost out of the range of his sensory perception, an intangible, elusive quality that perplexed him. Subliminal, he thought. Maybe supersonic sound, just above the range of hearing. Why supersonic sound? He did not know. He felt dazed. There was a heavy feeling through his whole body. Why was he here? He had been told he would see less row. There was also talk about a man proving if he was worthy. He did not like this thinking. He tried to shut it off. But it was a persistent gadfly that returned to buzz again and again in his brain. The out-of-hearing sound seemed to buzz with it, slipping in and out of hearing too fast for the mind to grasp it. Each time it slipped into hearing for the fractional part of a second, it brought a flicker of agony with it. At the touch, he became almost giddy. Alarm bells rang suddenly inside his head. The note went out of hearing again. The giddiness passed. The alarm bells went into silence. In the shrubbery ahead of him, a figure moved. Kastorkin. Two of the worst killers on Mars were here in this place. A leper. A human. Unease came up inside Jim Ronson. A sharp stab of it. Inside his chest, a surge of pain broke through the barriers. He had erected around it, reminding him of what was there. He had come here 
seeking relief for that surge of pain. Instead of getting what he had asked for, he had been thrust into place, with two killers and a leper, and a shout broke into his thinking. A Martian was running along the walls, seeking for an exit. It was T-Hold. T-Hold had recovered from the effect of the thermaling and had been brought here. Ronson watched the Martian run along the walls, searching desperately for a way out. T-Hold screamed as he ran, but he didn't find an exit. The screams died out as he reached the far end of the oval, then grew stronger as he came back again upon his own steps. Kustorkin slid out of sight. Talbach was somewhere in that shrubbery, too, where Ronson didn't know and didn't care. A feeling of hopelessness was coming up in him. He moved back to the leper, squatted on the sand beside the man, asked a question. The leper's eyes flicked at him in response, but there was no answer. An ecstasy was in the eyes now. The leper was so lost in this ecstasy that such things as grunted noises from a member of an alien race made no impression on him. Ronson envied him. The leper was close to death, but he was so lost in some inner ecstasy that death was unimportant to him. Did Les Rose Messenger promise you that you would be cured of your leprosy? Bronson asked, persisting. The leper nodded. Again his hand waved in the go-away gesture. Go away and let you die in peace, Ronson said. Just go away, the leper answered. Ronson rose to his feet, angry. What farce was being perpetrated here? What? The supersonic note came into hearing. Pain stabbed at his chest. He lifted his hand involuntarily. The sight of the dial on his wristwatch forced itself through the pulses of pain. As a part of his research into cell structure, Ronson had worked extensively with radioactivity. In order to protect himself, he had had a microscopically small radiation detector built into the watch itself. Three tiny glow tubes were set into the dial. If the green tube glowed, radiation was present but was safe. If the amber light glowed, be wary. If the red light glowed, get out fast. The red light was glowing now. As Ronson stared, it winked out. Before he could take his eyes away from the dial, the red light flicked on again. The supersonic note came with it. A flick of very real pain came from the note. The red light flicked out. The note vanished. The pain was gone. Regular pulsations of radiation are being poured through this place, Ronson whispered. It was being done deliberately. The whole cavern was being flooded periodically with bursts of radiation. This meant deliberate intention, purpose, plan. He did not know what impact this radiation might have on Martian flesh, but he could guess the effect it might have on human tissue. Fear came up in him, a flood of it. Anger followed it. The lights on his watch danced. Pain, agony, and the shrill note of the supersonic came again. 
Grimly, he began to prowl the cavern, searching for the source of the radiations. The radiation counter in his watch led him to it, by the increased intensity of its glow. The radiations were coming from a single spot in the wall of the cavern. So far as he could tell, the wall was solid stone at this place, but he had seen solid stone walls dissolve in this madhouse. Behind this spot, there was intelligent direction of the bursts of radiation. Back there, Lesro, or someone with him, was playing games of life and death with... T. Hold came past him, screaming. The Martian was beginning to stumble as he ran. The screams were only gasping sounds in his throat. Voices rose in shouted arguments somewhere in the shrubbery. Ronson moved away. What's going on there? he asked the leper. Talbach and Custorkin have disagreed as to which is the bigger killer and therefore which is the more worthy. They fight to decide the problem. The words were quietly spoken. The tone said the matter was of no importance. After he had finished speaking, the leper's eyes went back to the inner ecstasy that he seemed to be watching, or was it future ecstasy that he was imagining? I hope there is a heaven for Martians, Ronson said. So far as he knew, only in heaven could this leper's health be restored. Was the same true for him? Voices screamed in the shrubbery. Giving ground before the heavy blows, Talbach was striking at him. Cus Dorkin came stumbling backward. He slipped in the sand and fell heavily. Talbach leaped at him. Cus Dorkin screamed once, a sound that gasped into silence as Talbach's fingers closed over his throat. For a time, they threshed in the sand. Then Cus Dorkin went limp. Viciously, Talbach slapped his foe across the face. When there was no response, he poured sand into Custorkin's mouth, scooping it up in handfuls and cramming it down his foe's gullet. Talbach got to his feet. The scream that ripped from his lips was pure triumph. Utterly naked, he stood beside the body of his victim, shaking his fist at the roof of the cavern, screaming defiance at the universe. Ronson fervidly hoped that the radiation flowing through the Martian would strike him dead. The scream went into silence. Talbach's gaze fell on the leper. He moved in that direction. Viciously, he kicked the leper. The sick Martian slipped from a squatting position and lay inert. End of section four. Recording by Paul Harvey.